0: Welcome to episode 531 of Troubadours and Ruck-on-Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. And, not planned, but as has been the case the last couple of episodes, our guest is with a connection to Berlin, Germany. I don't know if you recall, but we had Mathiel Brown on Last uh, episode 530, and we talked with her from her studio in Berlin, Germany. And uh, this go round, off the bench, uh, we had uh, another guest who last minute couldn't do it. So I send in to my tried and true regular contributor to see if he could do it, and uh, he had just landed back from Berlin in. Uh, the United States and said, yes, sure. So uh, we're gonna have our conversation subsequent to me recording this opening. It's our ax aficionado, fiddle player, chicken coop builder, our resident historian, the great Surf William, to talk with us about his trip in Berlin. We have an EW essay titled Fiction We share an excerpt from Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States, and we have a poem called Early July. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it, then. Episode 531 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours.
1: A painted white door on a Sunday Painted white doors everywhere Yeah, I came around for the party They told me I could lay down Anywhere to stay forever A little white rose and a little white day A little white rose gonna let me down A little bit of the rainbow flying over this part of town. It's a habit, another beautiful, strange habit. Well, I could stare at you all day, singing to your beautiful face. Wanna open up my eyes, and all I wanna see is your eyes. But I want it, and you got it. I feel it kinda more. I feel it kind of more than I wanted to Another beautiful instrument The heart, another beautiful instrument Of art, my heart, a beautiful instrument, yours too Red and white and blue, my heart and your heart are just a couple of million beautiful antennas Did it need a heart, just a beautiful instrument Yeah, the heart, the heart, a beautiful instrument My heart is a beautiful instrument To get me out of the way of thinking Caught on fire, now
2: I'm sinking
0: Fiction. I'm not sure what the story is today. I know the Canadian wildfires are blowing this way. The crazy culture of consumption is turning us into basic prey of our ego and id, as the producers of all we desire more adamantly construct the parameters and grid from which inside we are clandestinely guided to live, no jive. I had an associate at one time in the past. His name was Sly. We siphoned gas into big metal black drums and sold them to an underground consortium of religious community-minded nuns at well below market prices. They used their profits to help the refugee families who were hiding from ISIS in flea bag rentals near the down-and-out, sketchy enterprises where they worked. The sisters sold the drums of gas to small businesses at higher prices but still cheap. Their profits were used to take care of the health and welfare needs of poor, objectified people. Then everyone would pray up to the steeple and sky. Me and Sly didn't care one lick. We just got high and practiced our shtick. We made our money, spent it on our honeys. Felt like some kind of Robin Hood. The nuns worshipped something too. Did they feel they knew more than me and you? Is what they are doing wrong at all? Is it for the greater good, answering the call? And the talk of the town is on rebound, far away, remote, and most of us just brush on down the road, thinking of not much more than tacos and choked. i Ciao, fratello. Is that you, Surf <laughs> William?
3: EW. Can you hear me?
0: What are you, like in a train
3: uh, lavatory? <laughs> I, I'm using my earbuds, but if they sound like crap, I'll pop them out and just use my phone. Okay, how's that? Can you hear me? That sounds better. Good. Hey, I'm playing with new technology. You know what I mean? What could I do?
0: Yeah, The other one sounded a little muffled. This sounds clearer.
3: I know my mother, God bless her. When I try to use those with my mother, she's like,
0: "Bill." (laughs) It doesn't matter. (laughs) It seems as you get older, uh, as as we get older, you you end up that way. I just don't know why it
3: is. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. You know. uh, So far, the aging process hasn't freaked me out too much. I don't whine too much about it. I've been lucky. I've been fortunate. I've been healthy. Knock on wood. And so. If that's the case, you know, you really have a lot to be thankful for. Hey, you smoke
0: a gram or snort a gram of Coke a day. It keeps the doctor no, see, away.
3: The, no, no, see that. Uh, here's the problem with our culture. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's comments like that, EW, <laughs> that lead to this notion that use automatically equals abuse. Right. And I think that's the mentality of a, of a, of a weak mind.
0: Well, Well, look who you're talking to,
3: right? Drugs, drugs, drugs do certain things to you. And sometimes those things are really desirable uh, done to excess. Like anything, it's going to be a negative. But, you know, um, I'll tell a story of a certain person. I won't mention any names who was far from home and was responsible for driving home late at night and had just the tiniest amount of cocaine just the tiniest amount and and all this person did was just take a little just a little sniff not you know not doing they weren't like it wasn't Scarface. you know what i mean yeah it was just a little a little just a little teeny sniff in the nose and that person was alert and awake and able to drive for several hours to their destination safely and and then they were fine it was the that drug was really useful for that purpose. And if you use drugs, uh, uh, as they should be used as enhancers for certain things, you're probably doing okay. But in our culture, as soon as you use the drug, you're an abuser. As soon as you smoke a joint, you're a pothead. As soon as you try cocaine, you're a cokehead. Uh, it's, 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 there are people who abuse the drugs, but use doesn't equal abuse.
0: No, I agree. I think some drugs are easier to manage than others, though. You know, like uh, coffee is a drug, you know, the, the caffeine. Right. That's easy. I'm,
3: I'm hopped up on caffeine
0: right me now. Me too. Uh, well, I'm not. I, I'm trying to get hopped up on it. I have I, half a cup in. But, um, you know, caffeine is a drug, and you get addicted to it, you get dependent on it, but it's easier to manage that than cocaine then um you bottom know, line
3: is this for for you for example for, or for or, you or, well for you it is right
0: i think for most people cocaine is well, a but strong a drug no,
3: but, but again <clears throat> these are slippery slopes who decides i say no one gets to decide period
0: you want all drugs legal
3: Absolutely. 100, one hundred. One thousand percent. Yes, I'm Everything. not
0: I'm not I mean, totally opposed to that, but you have to have things in place to help people because people are people. You know, we're it, we don't know what we're doing. And, I think
3: those are two different discussions. I
0: think. Well, no, are... I think they're I think they're linked, because if you're going to say one, you got to also address the other subject. Uh, if, if you know, even I think marijuana and no, marijuana is legal, at least medicinally in most states in our union. Uh, it's completely though, legal in New
3: Jersey now in every way.
0: Right, right. Uh, medicinal that's, yeah, and, and Pennsylvania probably soon. New York has uh, legalized it. Um, Ohio might even, right? I think uh, they're talking about it at least. But anyway, the okay. point the point is this. A lot of folks, though, still don't know how to use it, you know, and especially when you get the medicinal tag put on it. it it automatically now is medicine, so it's good for you. That's the other uh, preconception we have. If if you call a drug a medicine, now it's good for you. If it's illicit, it's no good for you, but not true. They're both just drugs. It depends on how you use them. Uh, if people are allowed now to use marijuana, but there's no guidance because doctors don't want to get involved because it's a slippery slope regarding federal laws compared to state law. You don't want to get in trouble, lose your license, yada yada yada, not be able to carry your gun. They didn't, no one tells you how to use it. So now you got all these jamokes and you know just walking into places, and we're all jamokes. And saying, yeah, I'll take, you know, an ounce of this and I'll take some of that tincture and I'll I'll take some of those pills and I'll go home and just ingest all this stuff. And they have no clue, you know, how to
3: manage it. That's not good either. Well, the first thing about marijuana is even if you do ingest all that stuff, it's not you're going to it's not going to you wouldn't, but it's not going to kill you. No, but it can mess up
0: your 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 day. It can impair you. It can impair you.
3: <laughs> it could. It could also. It could also enhance your day.
0: Well, it depends. If you if you do the right amount, you know, and everybody's different too. I think you know. And uh,
3: it, uh, listen, but this is, this is this is my position is really simple. Everything should be legal. Why? why is it criminalized? And who gets to decide? No one should get to decide. You want to have education courses and responsible usage instruction. Great, but it still shouldn't be illegal. Period. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying uh, there's another problem, and it and it kind of is in line with, and comes from the same place as the problem you're talking about. When you say, as soon as someone smokes a joint, they're a pothead. You know, or all drugs that aren't legal or are looked at as nefarious, it's the same mentality. You know, we we aren't willing to be grown up. We're not willing to be mature to to look at the situation, and honestly debate it. And discuss it, and analyze it, and see what what good we could. If there's more good than bad, and and, and then you know, apply it, use it in our lives.
3: Let but, me restate what you just. Let me just restate what you just said, if I may, in a different way. In German, and say, I could if you wanted me to. <laughs> yeah, for our German man, listeners. Man, man, soll, man soll solche Gesetze nicht verabschieden. and what I mean by that is. You can't legislate morality. You should never be allowed to legislate morality. So whatever you think personally is good or bad, if you don't have facts and figures and science to back up your argument, it's simply your own moral code. You don't get to legislate that. The only things that get to be legislated are things that we can prove demonstrably will be beneficial to us as a whole, as a community. Therefore, I say legalize all drugs and criminalize all guns. And I can back that up with facts and figures. It's not my opinion. It's it's the way things are in the real world.
0: I hear you. Uh,
3: pots never. pots never killed a person. How long has marijuana been illegal since forever? Since since we've been alive guns. I don't even want to get into all the people. Guns. Have that's killed, sickening. So completely legal. So, you know, these are people legislating morality. And that's what happens when you legislate morality. You get bad laws. You get bad laws that are not good for society.
0: I agree with you, but you said you were going to restate what I said. I was I saying legislate morality?
3: I was saying you. Well, what were you saying? You were you were saying some people don't know how to use it, other people do. You got to watch. Listen, that's not my my place. Is simply to say this policy makes sense and will be good for us. This policy doesn't make sense and will be bad for us. Period. And and I can show you statistically, you know, with research.
0: I, I hear you. I, I don't know that we definitely disagree. I just think we have to.
3: Oh, no, we, we don't disagree. I don't think we disagree at all. I, I, I just think you have to watch out. You have to watch out. One, one must be careful that one's own personal biases and prejudices and traditional beliefs are not seeping into what we want to make, you know, into our jurisprudence, into our legal system. I think that's when things get ugly. The whole abortion debate i feel is that way
4: yeah it's not what's I, I, best
3: for people it's not banning abortions and not giving women control of their bodies is bad for people it's bad for your society
0: i agree it just is i, I for right. me if there's any morality that i'm talking about it's the morality of making sure that y- your fellow citizens your fellow humans have enough information uh, to understand how to make the best decisions for themselves.
3: Yeah, exactly. And that, then when you look at the that's abortion moral laws, for example, the abortion laws are there those people are so insecure that they're making it illegal for doctors to even utter the word
0: i uh, if no, well, they're, they're,
3: they're censoring
0: right you can't that's
3: how insecure they are in florida so in florida you can't people to talk about everything
0: in florida you can't say gay right there's another you can't say the word gay right
3: right they don't this <laughs> these, these emotions so offend these people yeah, i know that you're not allowed to utter the word so berlin really mellowed you out it seems oh <laughs> i i well. had peak experiences of it i was in berlin for a long weekend and it was just it was from from the minute i stopped before i even got to berlin i was having peak experiences it was wonderful i had a lot of really what do you mean peak experiences i mean this euphoric feeling that you know where i'm thinking fondly of the past and things i did in my in my youth but I'm also able to look at my present situation and say, this is really special, too. And I'm so incredibly fortunate to be able to have had those experiences that I had in my younger days and now as an older guy still be able to have equally f- in- interesting and, and enriching experiences while also thinking back to my youth without any sort of like – um um melancholy or disappointment or, or longing. I'm just, I'm observing it more objectively and going, yeah, that was great. On the way to Berlin, you know, when I get on a train and especially in Germany, it takes me back to being 20 years old. Cause that was my first trip to Europe. And that was a really, I it made a really, really powerful impression on me. And I, every time I've gone back since it's really easy for me to relive those experiences and, and almost the same sense of like, adventure and euphoria that you know you got as a as a teenager or a young person you know traveling backpacking through europe which i think is an experience like everybody should have um and that that was me on this trip on the way to berlin on the train rolling through the countryside um then getting to berlin and and walking to the brandenburg gate and walking uh, on onto the linden which is the big boulevard in berlin and drinking a couple beers at a sidewalk cafe and falling asleep in the park (laughs) because I was drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And they love that. (laughs) Yeah. And then playing, I brought my violin with me. I started playing my violin and there was a father and a little kid in the park and the little, the little girl started dancing to my music and it was just really, and
0: they weren't treating you like you're some sort of molester. Hurry up! Walk away. He's a weirdo. Like that no, mentality I mean, I we have here. I
3: mean, I I didn't give that impression anyway. Well, you guy you
0: don't. But about. here, uh, just a couple with our mentality. We, we, that's the way we are here, right? We're, we 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 have a. Uh, there's not as much of an openness. I think. Uh, it's, and,
3: I guess it depends on where you are, and you know. Here's the thing. Don't you know? I I had my own little experiences in Germany, and that doesn't mean that you know when you go there, boy. What a what an open people. What a friendly, welcoming people. I don't know. I think it's like anywhere. There are those elements there that are really um, open and and sort of progressive and, and and adventurous. But believe me when I tell you, you know, there's the whole other side of the coin, too. Really conservative, really close-minded, racist. I mean, that's all there, too. It's all, it's all part of the same thing. I just happen to hang out with the freaks a lot of times, and so I get those experiences.
0: Uh, that makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that for me. You're right. I mean, I... I I oftentimes think like an expat, you know. Like I love this country. I'm proud to be a citizen of the U.S. Uh, and you know, my family and how hard they work to get us here from you know where they from the old country to have better opportunities to get out of the fiefdoms that uh, the castes sort of that uh, existed in classism and all that. So I don't overlook what what my ancestors did to get me here. And I also, I mean, all of us should remember that. But I also realize that we're off, you know, we're not in the right direction, going in the right direction as a country based on what I believe this country is and it aspires to be. So sometimes I look at other places, and as soon as I hear a little story like you shared, I say, oh, they got it right, and we don't. You know, uh, cause I'm I'm really critical of where we're at right now. But you're right. There's a reality check. <laughs> Europe has some issues too. Uh, may, major yeah, and, 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 populism, you know, listen, sort of issues, right wing mentality, big time, big time.
3: Yeah, exactly. And and you know, first of all, I whoa, travel should really uh, traveling is wonderful, and experiencing new places is wonderful. And and but to me it should really change you from the inside out so that when you get back home to your more familiar surroundings, you still have, you still maintain that sense of wonder that you can walk down your your, the street in your hometown and look up at the architecture of the buildings and notice the shops and look at the people and listen to the language and just be more, more connected, more aware. Cause I think we are that way instinctively when we travel, right. you know, when you get off the train and roam, like your senses are bursting. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you get off, when you step out of your car in your driveway at home, it's like, yeah, whatever. And when you can start to incorporate that fascination into your day to day life and it's not BS, it's it's like real. That, that's what travel like that's tra- traveling, is a bit of a hassle into the airport, waiting for your flight, baggage check, you know, getting over there, being jet lagged, having to take a train to wherever it is you're going. Because I go over there and like I'm quasi working for 17 days. I'm not I'm I'm a chaperone. So, you know, there's a there's an element of there's an element of stress involved, but uh, hopefully it's all worth it. You know, when you have your experiences and you bring them home with you, you know, that that the the, the minor inconvenience of driving to the airport in Newark, New Jersey, doesn't seem that big a deal because the experience was like that awesome. So yeah, I haven't been able to incorporate the. So here's the deal. I talk about like traveling with a sense of wonder when I can start to incorporate that sense of wonder into the whole trip, then I will really have arrived, like drive it to the airport in Newark parking your car in long-term parking, taking the shuttle to the air, like all that crap that you have to do. Right. When I can look at that with wonder, then I'm really going to say, Oh yes, I've arrived.
0: Then you, then you're more in line with the Dalai Lama. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You know, so, so the travel, this, this trip had its ups and downs. It wasn't all peaches and cream. Um, but you know, overall it was like, wow, just a great, just, I had really, really good experiences. Um, well, hold on and a second. Hold you know, on.
0: Hold, hold on. You know, we're like 16 minute, in, sixteen minutes in, and we didn't even mention who you are. This is Surf William, by the way, folks, regular contributor. He's a fiddler, an axe aficionado, an educator, and our resident historian talking with us from his home in Bucks County and just got back from Germany, a trip in Germany, 17 days or so. Just got back. Just got back, and he's talking to us. That's why he sounds a little... Hepped up. I think he's still dealing with <laughs> lag. You know, the, the, uh, I am. It's lag. weird. I,
3: I crashed out last night at around 10 30, but then I woke up again at like three in the morning and then Ollie was getting up to go to work. And so I got up with her at like five 30 and I've just been up and drinking caffeine. And at some point there's going to be like another crash today. The reverse jet lag coming back home only takes me like a day or two and I'm, and I'm fine. Like I'm back in the groove again, That's going cool. over to Europe usually messes me up for a while that, that six hour time change. Uh, messes me up a little. Yeah, you know you. you know want what it? I did? I brought some. I bought some over. Listen, I'm going to tell you. I've suffered with insomnia in Europe and my trips to Europe many, many times for you know sometimes longer than a week of really bad sleep patterns, which meant that all day long when you're walking around these villages and you're talking to your friends and you you want to be experiencing stuff, you're really sleep deprived and it's really like kind of a pain. Yeah. So yeah. I brought I, I got some Tylenol PM. And I'm like, wow, a couple Tylenol PM, man. See, strategic use of drugs.
0: Right. And And they
3: worked great. And a free plug. A free
0: plug you gave that conglomerate, you know, that uh, multinational. Thank you. Well,
3: you know what? But but let me say this. Pharmaceuticals, (laughs) sometimes they work. And and I wasn't an addict. I wasn't like addicted to pills. I I took these just till my sleep pattern was like back to normal. And it really, I, I suffered from no sleep irregularities the whole time over there. And I'm going to tell you something. I think that enhanced my experience over there. The fact that in the daytime, I was well-rested sure felt it did. Good. sure it did. and well, i've never thought about that before see cuz because that's my see it's seeped into my brain too this propaganda you can't take sleeping pills like elvis did that and he died and and that's what like that's what like rock and roll musicians do when they're on tour they get addicted to drugs but they're you bad that. That,
0: that's bad uh, for your liver isn't it the the and we know you know that's sure it
3: is sure it is but for a week no no, no way right right no way when they talk about these drugs being detrimental again this is the other brainwashing Uh, this use of this has been shown to cause cancer in lab animals well when you look at the way they do those those experiments it's these incredibly huge doses over really long periods of time and they're like look when when we dose this creature with this chemical it gets cancer sure it does absolutely because that's not the way that it's usually done it's 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 much more mild than that and i get why they do those experiments and i'm glad they do and i'm glad they they tell us watch out i think that's great but, but i think it's not in a
0: perspective confused. it's not putting right. a proper perspective now so um, we're talking drugs and we're talk- <laughs> we're all over the place with drugs you know cocaine marijuana tylenol pm uh, uh, so you right now uh, are are back, and you had some great experiences
3: in in uh, just Berlin, or were you all over Germany? No, no, I live in a, the city of Göttingen. Göttingen is in the southern part of Lower Saxony. It's kind of like if you look at a map of Germany, yeah. Try and picture like the geographic center, right? Okay, and that's kind of right where Göttingen is, like right smack dab in the middle of Germany. So it's a really good place to have your home base because if you want to explore Germany. You know, you can shoot off like the spokes on a wheel and you can hit different places and not, you know, they're not too far away. Um, is that... So you know, I was in Göttingen with my students and we were we were going. The students were living with their partners, their German partners and going to high school over there. And, and, and what was, was that town named after the writer and statesman? No, Goethe, Goethe is a different Goethe is a different um, a different spelling. Oh. Goethe, I think, has to do with Goethe, which is like the plural for God's. But I don't really know that. That's a good question. I'll, I'll I'll look into the derivation of the of the city name. It could be named after a person. It could be named after. Uh, it could be named after a group. I don't even know. I
0: I thought it might have been named have after to... Go, uh, Goethe, the um, poet and statesman. No,
3: sure. There, well, you know, there's not a town in Germany called Goethe named after the the famous German thinker. Um, but the city I was in, Weimar, is the city that's most. Closely associated with him because that's where he lived most of his life and did most of his work. And you, so I took a field trip to Weimar, and I. Th- you wanted did a to
0: talk rest. about him. Did you? Did you like learn some new things uh, about uh, the great thinker, oh, as you say?
3: Oh yeah. Well, so so you, <clears throat> when you think of Weimar, you could think of the Weimar Republic. Yeah, that's what I that's do. Where, that's where the that's where the that's where the, the 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 governmental documents were were signed, and that's why Weimar is famous for that. Um, And then Weimar, too, uh, was the home of Goethe and Schiller and not the hometown of Nietzsche, but Nietzsche's sister lived there. And that's important because when Nietzsche had a mental breakdown and was no longer able to communicate, he was in Switzerland and she went and got him and she brought him back to Weimar where she lived and she nursed him in her home for 10 years. And then after he died, she turned her home into the Nietzsche archive. So we were there, and, you know, that's all, like, it houses Nietzsche's writings and his original manuscripts and a bunch of different information about him. And it's a small exhibit, but it's really informative. So I was able to make it to the Nietzsche archive. I was able to make it to the Schiller house, where Schiller lived.
0: Tell us about Schiller. he
3: died young. Schiller Schiller's really important. You know, Schiller's important to America. We don't learn enough about Schiller. He was a poet. He wrote a bunch of famous plays. Many of them were turned into operas. Okay. Um he also wrote the words, you know Beethoven's Ode to Joy, but yes. sure. Well, there's words to that. It's called Andy 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 Freude and it's Ode to Joy and Schiller wrote those words. So it's like Schiller and Beethoven sort of collaborated on that. Um but Schiller uh, listen, I'm not an expert. I'm still in kindergarten, but I will say this about Schiller. Schiller's big thing was the 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 personal freedom and the, did the personal, you know, the dignity of every human being and independence and Liberty and how nobody should be told what to do by anybody else. They should, they should be their own autonomous, free beings. And in more so when we come together and we work towards common goals, we are achieving the pinnacle of like of, of human evolution. That's the greatest thing you can, you can actually accomplish is, you know, the, the manifestation of your own personal individual freedom is your desire to want to help your brothers and sisters and make your society a better place. And so the founding fathers, by the way, were heavily influenced by Schiller, and he was like a major inspiration in the thinking of the, the, the framers of the Constitution. So, really?
0: I didn't, you never uh, hear that. You never hear that.
3: No, you never hear that. They were very much inspired by Schiller. And Schiller was kind of like the artist, the poet, the writer of revolution. The French Revolution was inspired by Schiller, too. Of course, he really he really was upset and disappointed at what the French Revolution turned into. And he actually ended up condemning it and saying it was a real bastardization of what he believed. So you can't claim to be for personal freedom and liberty and then start chopping people's heads off.
0: No, no. You know, it's almost wrote, like libertarians, you know, talk yeah, about that yeah. sort of so Schiller,
3: thing. I mean, the thing,
0: the thing. But they know don't know go that Schiller
2: far.
3: Is, and again, I would tell anybody: like, if you ever want to learn a little something about, like, there might be somebody out there, sort of in the in the shadows, that you've name you've heard, but you don't know much about. And Schiller's one of those people. Like, go to YouTube and watch some videos. I actually did that before I went to Weimar, just to just to brush up, because I'm not like an expert on Schiller's works. And it really helps a lot to get the big, broader concepts. Well, when, um,
0: when you when you look at all, all these concepts uh, that you, you always are carrying around with you and that you share with me in a couple of texts this morning, like uh, racism, you know, nation, state, and people, do they connect with uh, these thinkers, Goethe, Schiller,
3: Nietzsche? So what I would say is, and this kind of goes for all three of those great thinkers, they're their ideas were so sort of broad and universal, the ideas of indiv- like individual liberty and dignity, that, and they were also very special in Nietzsche, when you think about Nietzsche. Nietzsche was very clever in the way he would, he would state things. And there's a famous quote about Nietzsche, and I can't remember who said it, but the quote goes something like this. Um, Tell me what your political ideology is, whether progressive or fascist, Or socialist or communist or democratic Tell me whatever you believe And I'll find you a Nietzsche quote that you can use So these guys were really broad thinkers And unfortunately because of that A lot of what they said And a lot of their writings Were bastardized by people like Nazis Saying, Mm -hmm. you know Finding their justification in the writings And the works of these great thinkers And saying, see, we're inspired by Nietzsche he said, if you're better than the other person, you have every right to squash them. Look at that. We're following Nietzsche. Nietzsche was our philosopher. That's not what Nietzsche meant when he talked about the Superman. That's no. not what he was talking about. No, and, and you could it, interpret it that way.
0: To put it in a simpler uh, form, it's kind of like when uh, George Bush is running for president and he's using Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA at his rallies.
3: No, that's a great that's a that's a that's an absolutely great analogy. And I think that people should know about Nietzsche. What people should know about Nietzsche is this. Nietzsche never. First of all, the Nazis didn't exist in Nietzsche's lifetime. So he didn't know about the Nazis, but he certainly knew about anti-Semitism and fascism and and, um, you know, uh, political extremism. He certainly knew about that stuff, but he never professed any of that stuff. His sister, however, was an ardent Nazi. Hmm. So she goes and she takes him home with her and she nurses him for 10 years. And when he dies, she takes over legal custody of all of his of his estate. So she owns all his writings. So she then starts to not just publish his writings, but starts to give commentary on them. Here's what he meant by this. Here's what he meant by that. He never said that she did. And she and her husband were were ardent Nazis, ardent anti-Semites. And they took Nietzsche's writings and they basically handed them to the Nazis. And said, "Look, look at what our look at what our great philosopher Nietzsche said. You can use this," and they did. But that wasn't Nietzsche. Nietzsche never did that.
0: No. And it's interesting, you know, these these gentlemen, these individuals who have uh, such broad, deep views of of uh, human existence and culture, society. A lot of times, they do end up going off the deep end, uh, as Nietzsche did. I wonder if it's because it's a pre-existing condition, or it's just madness. That it, beco- it becomes madness to see what's happening in, in the world that they live when they realize. I don't know,
3: but let me just jump. Let me po- let me say this, the better possibilities. That, that that's a good point. Nietzsche, I assume, suffered from some kind of um, emotional psychological problems, right? I I I I'm sure, I'm I'm relatively certain, although I have no idea. But let me say this: to contrast what you just said, is Goethe. Goethe lived to his early eighties. I think he was 82 or 83 when he died. And he worked a lot of his life as like an upper level functionary, an upper level bureaucrat in one of the Royal family's um, administrations. And his job was, was sort of, um, public works, for example, like we want to improve Weimar. We, we need a public park. Goethe was the guy, the bureaucrat who designed the park brought together the engineers uh uh built the park designed and built the park because goethe was the guy who said it doesn't matter how great an artist you are or how great your ideas are if you can't figure out a way to realize them if they only stay ideas and dreams that's fine but that's not the ultimate thing the ultimate thing is how do you realize that vision you could understand how that message could easily be twisted by the nazis the triumph of the will, that sort of thing. But that's not what Goethe meant. Goethe simply meant that there are a lot of things in life that we automatically look at as drab and boring and sort of a big drag, like bureaucracies or governmental offices. But Goethe would say, oh, no, those are the entities that you need to realize your big visions. And so they're not bad things at all. As a matter of fact, you should, you should embrace those undertakings with the same enthusiasm with which you undertake your artistic endeavors, because it's all related. Goethe was a really interesting figure. He lived a real life and he had real problems. And, and he talked about it. He's really, he's amazing. Goethe's amazing. He's a writer, a scientist, a historian, a composer. uh, And he did all of those things, you know, wonderfully. He's, he's truly a great mind.
0: Excellent. Well, you know, surf, we're we're just about Done with uh, the amount of time we have uh, for this conversation. Uh, anyway, you you could see to, to wrap this all up nicely with a bow.
3: Um, I'll I'll just I'm going to steal your words. There's good and bad in everything, and and it's easy to think that, for example, American society right now is just the worst of the worst. We're irredeemable. Uh, but I would say, look, man, this is the society we're in. We should do everything we can to improve it because if you think you're going to go to some other place and find this fairy tale land where you know mean people don't exist or, or bigots or closed-minded people don't exist, you're, you're, you're fooling yourself. So there's good and bad in everything so let's just work on the good and make it make it happen.
0: Beautifully said. Surfs, thank you so much for finding the time uh, amidst your exhaustion from coming back. Uh, you know, to home after uh, a go, stint in Europe. I really crash. appreciate it.
3: A hammock. This is, it's hammock time after this.
0: You deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. We'll talk with you All again right, soon.
3: All right, brother. All right, we'll talk. Ciao. Ciao.
5: I've been thinking lately about the people I meet The car wash on the corner and the hole in the street The way my ankles hurt with shoes on my feet And I'm wondering if I'm gonna see tomorrow Father forgive us for what we must do You forgive us, we'll forgive you We'll forgive each other till we both turn blue Then we'll whistle and go fishing in heaven I was in the army, but I never dug a trench Used to bust my knuckles on a monkey wrench I go to town and drink, give the girls a pinch But I don't think they ever even notice me Father, forgive us for what we must do You forgive us, we'll forgive you We'll forgive each other till we both turn blue Then we'll whistle and go fishing in heaven Fish and whistle, whistle and fish Eat everything that they put on your dish And when we get through We'll make a big wish that we never have to do this again Again, again Oh, my very first job I said thank you and please They made me scrub a parking lot down on my knees Then I got fired for being scared of bees And they only gave me 50 cents an hour Father, forgive us for what we must do You forgive us, we'll forgive you We'll forgive each other till we both turn new, then we'll whistle and go fishing in the heaven Fish and a whistle, a whistle and fish. Eat everything that they put on your dish. And when we get through, we'll make a bigger wish. That no, we never have to do this again. Again, again. Oh, Father, forgive us for what we must do. You forgive us, we'll forgive you, we'll forgive each other till we both turn new. Then we'll whistle and go fishing in heaven. We'll whistle and go fishing in heaven. We'll whistle and go fishing in heaven. We'll
0: And now an excerpt from Howard Zinn's great book, A People's History of the United States, 1492 to present. George Rawick, a sociologist and anthropologist, describes the development of blacks up to and into the Civil War with this passage. The slaves went from being frightened human beings thrown among strange men, including fellow slaves who were not their kinsmen and who did not speak their language or understand their customs and habits, to what W.E.B. Du Bois once described as the general strike whereby hundreds of thousands of slaves deserted the plantations destroying the South's ability to supply its army. Black women played an important part in the war, especially toward the end. Sojourner Truth, the legendary ex-slave who had been active in the women's rights movement, became a recruiter of black troops for the Union Army, as did Josephine St. Pierre Ruffin of Boston. Harriet Tubman raided plantations, leading black and white troops, and in one expedition freed 750 slaves. Women moved with the colored regiments that grew as the Union Army marched through the south, helping their husbands, enduring terrible hardships on the long military treks, in which many children died. They suffered the fate of soldiers, as in April 1864, when Confederate troops at Fort Pillow, Kentucky, massacred Union soldiers who had surrendered, black and white, along with women and children in an adjoining camp. It has been said that black acceptance of slavery is proved by the fact that during the Civil War, when there were opportunities for escape, most slaves stayed on the plantation. In fact, half a million ran away, about one in five, a high proportion when one considers that there was great difficulty in knowing where to go and how to live. The owner of a large plantation in South Carolina and Georgia wrote in 1862, quote, This war has taught us the perfect impossibility of placing the least confidence in the Negro. In two numerous instances those we esteem the most have been the first to desert us. End quote. That same year, a lieutenant in the Confederate Army and once mayor of Savannah, Georgia, wrote, quote, "I deeply regret to learn that the Negroes still continue to desert to the enemy." End quote. A minister in Mississippi wrote in the fall of 1862, quote, "On my arrival was surprised to hear that our Negroes stampeded to the Yankees last night, or rather a portion of them. I think everyone, but with one or two exceptions, will go to the Yankees. Eliza and her family are certain to go. She does not conceal her thoughts, but plainly manifests her opinions by her conduct, insolent and insulting.
2: Sitting here in Limbo. but I know Sitting here in limbo Like a bird without a song Well, they're putting up resistance But I know that my faith will lead me on Sitting here in limbo Waiting for the dice to roll search my soul This little boy is moving on Sitting here in limbo Waiting for the tide to flow But I know that my fate will lead me on I can't say what life will show me But I know what I've seen I can't say where life will lead me But I know where I'll be Tried my hand at love and friendship But all that is past and gone This little boy is moving on Sitting here in limbo Waiting for the tide to flow Sitting here in limbo Going
0: Best wishes and French kisses While white blossoms blow in the rain Early morning owls singing a wise song A red-orange ladybug climbs a green fuzzy stem Shooting up from the dirt of this earth And the warm humidity caresses and cleanses us together AS SPECTERS OF HUMANITY, LIVING FOREVER. THE GREEN FLOWER BUSHES ARE PERENNIAL, PINK, RED, AND YELLOW.
4: I dreamt to away on a steam powered aeroplane. I went in the stayed and I damn near didn't come back again. I didn't go very fast on a steam powered aeroplane. Oh, the wheel went around and up and down and inside and then back again. Sitting in a 747 just watching them clouds roll by. Can't tell if a sunshine or a it's rain, hey, hey. I'd rather be sitting in a deck chair high up over Kansas City. On a genuine, old-fashioned, authentic steam burn 747, just watching them clouds roll by. Can't tell if a sunshine appears, ray, hey, hey. Rather be sitting in a neck chair high over Kansas City. On a genuine old-fashioned authentic steam market.
0: Episode 531 of Troubadours and Roccon Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Mr. Clutch, Surf William, thank you, sir, Howard Zinn, the great historian, and these musical artists. Lonious Monk, Rayland Baxter, Paul and the Tall Trees, John Prine, Jimmy Cliff, John Harford and Vassar Clements, Brentford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself.